Hi there, and welcome to the latest edition of the Jairs Weekly Podcast, the independent Rangers podcast, which is brought to you by fans for fans, and where the content is absolutely free. It is episode 233 uh, of the weekly Jairs Podcast. I'm your host tonight, I'm Colin Armstrong. As I say every week, guys, it's not just the pod uh, that we do here in Jairs If you get yourself onto the website, uh, you'll find the forums there, friendly forums, loads of banter going on on, on there, uh, articles, history archive, all that kind of stuff. So get yourself on there. Uh, we would always ask you to promote the pod as well, put the word out there, let people know that we're here. Uh, I think we've got about 6,000 YouTube subscribers now. So are we, if you've not subscribed, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, all that sort of stuff. Before I bring in my guests, uh, I need to mention our partners at Forest Precision Engineering. They're a subcontract Glasgow-based engineering company. They've been a big commercial supporter of Rangers Football Club for a number of years, uh, and we're delighted that they're back in the pod. If you want more information about them, uh, visit their website at www.forestpresent.com. I think I've got that right. Uh, you can also visit, they've got uh, an, uh, an executive lounge in the main stand, a uh, stunning executive lounge. Uh, in the main stand if you want more information about getting yourself booked in there uh, email the club at hospitality at rangers.co.uk right so on to my guests <laughs> we've already had a fight before we came on air uh, I'll bring in John first because me and him are going at it hammering tongs before we came on air how are you doing John? I'm not bad mate I'm not bad we were the Jack and Victor of um, <laughs> Jersnet earlier weren't we? We were, aye. Well, you know, comes with age, crab it, all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Happy New Year. Uh, I haven't really spoke to you since the New Year. No, so. no, well, I lost my voice for the first four or five days of this New Year. I picked that, up some. That, that was a result for us all. That was a good start to the New Strangely Year. Strangely enough, everybody in the house agreed with you. Um, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all those incisive opinions I have, I just had to keep to myself for a change. Which was nice. Yes, for everybody else, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, we'll 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 have we'll reignite. We'll fight again later. Yeah, well, because the the thing we were fighting about is on the agenda. <laughs> uh, so, and I'll bring Patrick in, who was kinda fighting with me as well. A, a little bit of a smash. Uh, how are you, Patrick? Happy New Year. Yeah, thank you. Likewise to yourself. Good. Uh, still recovering from what was a fairly bipolar event, but it seems to be a lot of the Rangers games. But uh, we got there in the end, and that's the most important bit, especially with cut football. And are you ready for a fight later on, or are you ready to stand between me and John? Well, I think after pass, I'll go to bed once we're done here. Uni starts <laughs> back tomorrow, so I'm not sure I can take another late night. Oh, uni, oh, you make me feel old here. Oh, anyway, <laughs> right, uh, John. Let's 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 t- obviously good result today. We'll go on and talk about you know the final details, performance, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but we're in another cup final, which is obviously great news. And the, the I was talking about it with us after the game. I don't even know what it's called anymore. I still refer to it as the Skull Cup. I think it's, it's the, Cup, the, the, the Via Sport. Is it Via Sport? Via Play? The Viagra, I mean. the Viagra Cup. Well, <laughs> <laughs> we were in that age bracket, John. So, you know. <laughs> there was a semi today and I was delighted. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but in terms of the performance, obviously we got the result. But uh, we look at the performance. You know, again, as, as, as Patrick sort of alluded to there, a bit of a bipolar, you know, not so great first half, better second half. I never really felt we looked in danger, if you know what I mean. Once it went one each, I always felt... And I think we controlled most of the game. But, you know, again, for long periods, we just struggled to create. I just don't think we're a, a creative team at the moment. Uh, good to reach another final, but again, there's, there's still issues within that team, I think. Yeah, I mean, but <laughs> the issues that were apparent to everybody... Um, earlier in the season, you know, they haven't gone away just by a, a, a pointing bill. He's managed to address some of them. 
he clearly brought in uh, some team spirit, which I think was missing before. There's a bit of fight there now. We go one down, we don't now think, well, that's it, we've lost, uh, which I think was was the case um, before he came in. Uh, so so he's managed to address that. But but the key issues affecting that squad just now, which is a lack of creativity, which is a lack of people being able to do something uh, a little bit different, and also a lack of people just being able to put the ball in the net, um, that still exists, that still needs to be addressed. Um, Bale is doing well with what he has at his disposal. He's getting the most out of it. And I think today was another example of that. And, and you know, that's great. Uh, you know, I think you can really ask an awful lot more of them at this stage. I enjoyed the match. I didn't enjoy it at the time. It was one of these games I didn't enjoy at the time. I mean, you said that you didn't feel threatened after it went to one each. i got to tell you, I was bricking it all through um, extra time. And, and at the end, when we gave the ball away and, and they came up the, up the field, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just had this is going to penalties and we're going to lose in penalties. It's going to be one of these horrific days. Um, no, I was Mr. Negative for large, large parts of this afternoon. Um, I should I should point out with that one at the end, the ball went out. The, the, the linesman was on my side, he flagged. So the ball went out for the cross. So if they had scored, it wouldn't have counted. Well, the one where, he, where, he, where McGregor had a decent save? Yeah, McGregor at the end there. The very last bit of action. Ah, right, OK. As, as the ball went across, the minute McGregor made the save, the linesman beat Well, you know what? See if it get in. They'd alert that. You would have overruled his <laughs> line. Var, var, var would have intervened. Var was broken. Var was broken at that point. It was back in at that point. Ah, I'm going to it again. We were getting an announced. Sorry, I can't hear anything minutes. you're saying. I'm just going to give this goal. Yeah, so, happy overall then? I'm happier tonight than I was during the game. Absolutely. We're in, listen, we're in a cup final. And it was a tough pitch. Um, you know, it, it, it looked like a heavy, heavy pitch. I actually thought both teams did fairly well, considering the state of the pitch. Um, Aberdeen... <laughs> Aberdeen raised their game to play us. You and I have spoken about this many a times. Every Rangers fan knows this. This is Aberdeen's cup final. This is Aberdeen's cup. Aberdeen's cup final is today. Even if they'd won, Aberdeen's cup final was today. They don't yeah. care about beating Celtic in, if they got to the final. They beat care about beating us in the semi. So they were up for it. They played well. Um, you know, they played to their strengths. They did cause us some problems. They defended well. Um, but overall, the better team won. Um, and, you know, and in the end, Sometimes winning ugly is, is is how it has to be done. Um, I'm looking forward to the final now. Before I, before I bring Patrick in here, you mentioned something that I meant to put in the agenda, but it was all a bit rushed because I was at the game and blah, blah, blah. The pitch, I, I, I don't understand. Now, I know it was played on yesterday and I know I've had a sufficient amount of rain recently. You know, I've been out with the dog many times to experience that, you know, We've, we've had a lot of rain, but there isn't a lot of football being played on that that pitch at the moment. You know, Queen's Park don't play there. They're currently playing their games at Stenish Muir, I think it is. They're out there. Lesser Hamden's getting built. I just don't understand. Obviously, the, the pitch was played on yesterday, so we expect it to be maybe cut up a little bit. But they were complaining, Celtic and Kilmarnock were cl- complaining about that pitch yesterday. I just don't understand why it's in such a bad state when it's not getting played on. I mean, I, I don't know what's happened to the Hamden. Hamden pitch used to be one of the best pitches in the country. Um, I really don't know what's happened to it. I, it, I mean, it, it, I didn't see any yesterday, but like you, I, I read this morning what folk were complaining about the pitch yesterday. Um, it, yeah, I mean, it, it was actually like watching, you called it earlier the Skull Cup. It was a bit like watching the Skull Cup. You know, it was a yeah. bit like watching pitches from the 70s and 80s, when, which you used to see, it, it's funny how you've, we've become used to just every pitch being a bowling green, no matter yeah. the time of year. Um, whereas, you know, I grew up watching football, playing games on pitches like that, 
that 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 was the norm at this time of year. There's no excuse for Hamden to be in that 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 condition, none at all. Um, you know, like you, there can't have been a game played in that two months. Can't have been. Um, it's been weather's been bad. I accept that, but you know that pitch should have been in great condition before yesterday's yeah. match. Uh, yeah. and, and albeit it, it, it would have it would have cut up. You couldn't help but cut up after yesterday's match. It should have been in better condition than it was. Patrick, I mean, the first half performance today, I thought we started quite well, if I'm being honest. I thought the first 10, 15 minutes, again, not creating a huge amount, but it, I felt like we hemmed Aberdeen in. Uh, but just slowly but surely, Aberdeen just started to, to sort of gain a wee bit more possession and start to get up the park. And it just feels like this, you know, that lack of confidence thing that, that, that I think exists in the squad at the moment. You just started to feel, and, and when you see it on the pitch, that you think that these players aren't as confident anymore. It starts to infect the supporters. The, the supporters become frustrated. And so a good start to the first half, but it sort of went down south after that. Yeah, it was definitely a, a game of runs, or at least the first half of runs. I thought the first 15 minutes were sort of emblematic of what we probably want to play like. We started really well. I don't think it would have been unfair for us to have scored after, after the first 15 minutes. I think... Yeah. You could have said the first nine minutes were almost all camped in their half, or their half, which was fantastic. Obviously, the pitch meant that any play was going to be even more difficult, which kind of impressed me even more so because we looked to be playing some of the sort of emblematic when we've had builds been runs. Maybe it's been a good half or a good 15, 30 minutes, and we're putting on a, a good show for the crowd as well. But then I'm not even sure what it was. I don't think it'd be anything beyond sort of just uh, Aberdeen sort of realizing that they're in the game here and they've got to go. They can't really park the bus for 90 minutes. And expect something to happen just because of the nature of how we play. Uh, our attacking players were quite sharp. I think Sakala had a shot or two within the first 10 minutes and Tav was getting on the ball, Tillman as well. So they realised that this pitch is probably the best leveller, you could say, to get, make this game a proper 50-50. And to their credit, they did that really well. Um, they looked hungry as well. As we've mentioned, it, it's their cup final, so they're going to put all into it. And that levelled it. Um, but... Obviously, eventually it told, and, and we'll talk about it later in the second half, and, and then at the time it was still nervy, but, but we got our win. But yeah, no doubt we started very well, but for whatever reason, probably more to do with Aberdeen being proactive than us sort of getting into a rut, but they levelled it out and made it sort of an actual game after the 15 to sort of 40 minute, minute mark. And, and, and on the pitch as well, is, is there anything that you can think of as to why the pitch was, was in that state? Because it was pretty bad. You know what I mean? If, 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 if you look back, Unless the staff at Hamden are, are having games eleven aside on that park, you know, every every other day, I, I, I just don't understand why it was it was in that state. Yeah, I don't, I'm not even. I don't think there's been any like big concerts that would be at Hamden because if if a band or an artist is big enough to play at Hamden, we'd know that they're there. Uh, there's probably some argument that no games probably isn't beneficial. You probably want some amount of game because then it forces them to recede and sort of tend to it more, but. I think even in, in the game, the Celtic Kilmarnock game was cutting up within 30, 40 minutes. It wasn't just that the pitch became bad upon the 90th minute towards the end of the game. It was cutting up quite early. And I, I think they mentioned the commentary yesterday that it was going to be absolute hell to play on today. And it was. But for the reasoning, I guess you can just put it down to the weather. But that seems to be something that people are paid to sort of counteract. But Yeah, that's what I mean. The drainage, ground staff. And, and as John's pointed out, you know, pitches do tend to be a lot better than what they were in like in the 80s and 70s and 80s and me and John were growing up watching games uh, I mean I've put on some DVDs for the 70s and stuff like that and my son's like look at the pitch you know it's just like this brown thing you know there's there's not a blade of grass on it 
And I think John's right. I, th- I think pitches have improved significantly over the years. You, you just expect to go in. Okay, maybe the, the, the goal mouth area's got a little bit of sort of issues on it. But other than that, I, I, I was just stunned because there was a lot of brown showing through. I was on the upper tier today and I, I really was. I was quite surprised at how bad it was. John, on a, an area that I think is one of our main problems at the moment and one that, that, that Beal will probably have to deal with over, over the next few months, uh, and, and it's a midfield. I just think it's that whole lack of creativity. You know, we've we've got players there who are, in my opinion, quite similar. I, I would I would say the only the only players out, outside of that are, are Tillman and Scotty Arfield, and we, we we couldn't get Tillman into the game at all. You know, we struggled to get him into it, uh, and obviously Scott Arfield, you know, he's an impact player now. He, he's very rarely going to play ninety minutes. But but guys like Kamara, guys like John Lundstrom, guys like Ryan Jack. As, as, as well as they've, they've represented us in the past, it's obvious that we're just lacking that sort of that spark, that creativity, that ability to sort of make defenders turn, to, to make things happen. Uh, we can control that area of the park, but not do a huge amount, if you know what I mean. And, and, I, and I think that's an area that needs addressed. Yeah. You know, to be fair to be, I'm not sure who else you play there. Either, just, either goes to one sitting midfielder, and um, and starts with kind of two attacking midfielders as along with his three forwards, um, or he plays two. I, I I didn't necessarily disagree with the starting lineup. Um, I didn't necessarily disagree with that. I was surprised when he took off Tillman and, and brought on Kamara because for me Kamara yeah. is more like Jack and, and Lundstrom than he is um, than he is like Tillman. I actually thought Tillman started the game quite well. I thought the first kind of half hour Tillman was our best player, was the best player in the park. Um, yeah, I thought he was getting involved in the game, albeit quite deep, um, not necessarily hurting up close. But I thought that you know what he was doing at that stage actually was working quite well. I didn't think he did much in the second half. Um, I thought by the second half the game was passing him by largely. Um, but I would I would have been inclined to keep him on um, just simply but, because but I just felt we ended up with three, defect, three, three players who, who were, were quite similar. That's um, what I thought. I was a wee bit surprised he took him on. I was thinking bring someone on to try and give him the stage to go on and yeah. perform. Yeah, um, but again, this goes back to to you know Bill being able to work with what he has. You know, Hadji isn't fit enough yet, um, so so you know he isn't an option um, in midfield. Um, Lundstrom and Jack are similar players. Davis is well; he's out for the season, and and, and unfortunately, I suspect he's he's probably. Yeah, I think he's probably finished at Rangers, and and there's a decent chance he's maybe finished with professional football now. So we don't have a lot of options there. Uh, you you've really got. Um, Tillman and, and, you know, with the possible exception of Lowry, um, until Hadji's fit, we don't really have another player who can do what Tillman does. Um, so you have Tillman and then after that, you're looking at holding midfielders. Um, and it's just deciding how, how to do that. But we need, you know, I mean, Jack, obviously Jack played the majority of the game today. Um, and he scored the goal. Um, you know, I think I think uh, I watched it on TV and they gave him the man of the match. Which I'm not sure he was man of the match, but you know, he 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 came through the game on a heavy pitch, um, did his job. But you know, we need sent we need holding midfielders that, that can break lines. We need holding midfielders that can play passes. Lundstrom had a poor game. You know, on on more than one occasion, Lundstrom just gave the ball away. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and and you know, a strange thing. When Lundstrom joined Rangers, he didn't, you know, he didn't set the head on fire. 
Um, you know, he, he wasn't great. And it actually took Van Bronckhurst coming in to get the best out of Lundstrom. Um, and then we had that spell in the second half of last season where Lundstrom was, was you know, our best player, our most influential player. Um, he didn't carry that form into this season uh, for whatever reason. He didn't carry that form into this season and, and he's been disappointing this season. And, and I thought today was another game where, you know, yeah, He's there, he's available for the pass from the centre-halves. You know, he can knock it back out to Tav, take it back again, give it to a centre-half. You know, but he's not the guy who's making that that killer pass. He isn't a goal threat. Um, and I think you need at least one of your central midfielders, one of your whole midfielders, to, to, to bring carry some kind of goal threat. Goal threat, yeah. Um, and Lundstrom isn't carrying enough of a goal threat. Um, and he isn't, you know, his passing, he keeps possession, which is important. But he isn't the guy who's going to just play that killer ball. Um, and, you know, when you've got guys like Sakala uh, and Kent who are mobile, who are, are, are nippy, you know, who are able to get in behind, you need someone who can make that pass. Yeah. Um, and, and we don't seem to have that in either Jack or, or Lundstrom just now. So it's an area that needs addressed. I suspect, you know, this, looking at the players we've been getting linked with, I think it's fairly clear that the, the club know that. Um, but it needs it needs addressed fairly quickly because it's an area we're lacking in just now. See, I, I think that's a good point that you, you've made there about uh, Sakala and Kent. You know, it seems to me our midfield gives them the ball when the fullbacks are in front of them rather than playing it in behind them for them to run on it because that, this is something I bang on to my son about, you know, all through his, you know, he's 17 now when he when he was coming through the, the, age, the age groups and all that kind of stuff. You know, he'd always try and beat a player. And I, I always try to, to drum it into him. So it's good to beat a player, but you can beat a player just by running into space and give the other guy the pass to put it through. You you don't have to have the ball to beat a player. You know what I mean? And I just feel the other midfield, we give it to our creative players and say, go and create, rather than put playing it into space for them and, and turning defenders, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah, that's been an issue for us all season. Uh, it should have been addressed in the summer. Um, Lance, I mean, obviously Lance is the player. Yeah. That, um, and we actually, I, to be honest, with you, I'd actually forgotten about <laughs> when we first started this conversation. You know, Lance was the player that was to come in. Uh, I guess he was seen as the kind of natural successor to, to Rebo. Um, uh, Tillman is is kind of filling that role, but but he's a different type of player. And uh, I guess had Lance stayed fit, he looked like he was the kind of guy who could contribute you know, 10, 12 goals a season from midfield, you know, play a killer pass, play a short pass, you know, he had a football brain. And it may be that he's the player we're missing, but, you know, we've no real idea when he's going to be back. Uh, it's looking like he's had a setback and, and potentially for another couple of months. So we need to do something um, because there isn't, Lowry isn't getting a look in just now. Um, so we need to do something. We need to find a creative spark from somewhere. Um, because you know, as I said, he's getting the best at what we've got, but but he needs he needs more. more tools. Yeah. Uh, Patrick, onto the fight uh, that me and John are about to have. I'll I'll, I'll bring you into this first. Uh, the, the Aberdeen goal, the first goal. No, I don't think we can deny it was it was you know it was a tidy finish by uh, Miofsky. I would I would say it's a, a natural striker's finish. You know, he's just cushioned it into the corner away from McGregor. However, the build-up to it and, you know, we'll have the fight about the offside thing and all the rest of it in a couple of minutes. But, I mean, as I said, I was in the upper today look, looking down on it. The minute that ball's played through now, I know the Aberdeen striker's offside. 
and the other boy, I can't remember his name, comes through from deep. At that point, I was looking at McGregor thinking, why why is he not coming out and clearing that? Uh, and then I think Borna doesn't react quickly enough now. The fight we had before we came on air revolves around defenders putting themselves in positions to play players offside and all that kind of stuff. We'll come on to that. But the rules are the rules. And so firstly, I thought McGregor was really slow. And I, th- I think it's a sign, we'll, we'll have a wee discussion about McGregor. I think it's a sign of where he is as, uh, as a keeper at the moment. I, th- I think he's really hesitant. So rather than coming out and clearing the danger, he goes back to his line and, and, and puts us in problems. I don't think Borna covered himself in glory. And it's just this thing. It feels like far too many goals we concede are of our own doing. You know, it's not we're getting carved open. It's just miscommunication, players not doing what they should do, and we find ourselves in trouble. Yeah, I'll keep my mind short so we can get the main event between you two. But yeah, I think it's a sort of emblematic of everything that's been sort of playing to our downfall in the last few months and, and even years. Just poor decision making. Yeah, Borna should play play to the whistle at least until the ball goes out because obviously Miofsky is offside. Yeah, but he's just he's just there. You could make an argument he's interfering with play, but that by nature of him just being there would necessitate he's from play. If it was the Rangers forward there, I would not say that's offside in any capacity. And I think Matty Kennedy's made this run, and I think Borna's probably got twenty meters on him, but obviously he just sprints and gets it. Um, poor decision making from him sort of just turns turns his brain off for a, a second. We've seen that a few times against Celtic in recent times uh, with Abada coming in on the right wing. So it's not unlike him. I don't think it's an isolated incident. It, it's something we've seen on a number of occasions and sadly it's led to a few goals. But yeah, he, he was poor. But then obviously McGregor has two opportunities to kind of clear the ball. The first one you talked about where he can just come off his line and boot it up. And, and that's probably what everyone would have thought he should have done and would have been natural for most goalies. And he's also got the time where Kennedy takes it to the wing and he's got one person in the box staying for and he sort of stays on his line trying to be reactive. Whereas I think he probably could have jumped over, punched the ball, grabbed the ball. Um, Davies is obviously marking Miofsky, but Miofsky's got the run on him. He's running forward, whereas Davies is going laterally. So he's always going to be second best in that. But we also have to put our hands up and say it was a good cross and a good finish, one that we'd be proud of if we scored a goal like that. But yeah, there'll be lots of different opinions on sort of the anatomy of the goal should it have stood. I think they maybe didn't deserve the goal in the sense that we were the better team, but that goal for me should have stood. And, and it was a bit of our own problems, but also just some good quality football from them. Now, before I bring John in, I, I, I want to get your view on this. So before we came on on, uh, on air, John was comparing it to Man United's goal yesterday, you know, the Rashford incident. And, and I disagree with that. I I think Rashford is obviously uh, involved, you know, influencing play. And I think the Man City keeper positions himself based on that. I think today was slightly different. You know, I, I know, as you say, Miofsky is offside, but he, he doesn't really go for the ball. Guy comes from deep and we don't react. I don't think McGregor reacts the best way. I don't think uh, Bonner reacts in the best way. Do you think those are two comparable incidents, the Man City one yesterday and that today? Because I don't think they are before I go and have a fight with John. I mean, I understand why someone would bring them up in the same breath because it's the idea of when is someone in play. But I think that the Aberdeen goal and Miofsky was fine. He can't really do anything else. He's not running towards the ball. The ball was played for him. But I think even just as the ball was kicked, everyone had realised he was going to go for a touch and he wasn't able to get it. So I, I don't think they're comparable because at least in the sense that Rashford is right in front of the goal, the goalkeeper's positioning based on the expectation that Rashford's going to score or he's going to shoot rather because he was shaping up for it. Uh, it was a two-on-two, whereas this one's a lot more sort of 
calm and tranquil, 40 yards from goal, almost so nonchalant that we'd mix that K to make it that run and, and almost we'd have played off Miofsky's. Oh, it's just, it's fine. Yeah, game's on. So I understand why you talk about it just in the last two days and similarities. But yeah, I think the, the United one is far more explicit. And, and I think if, if that had happened in this game, um, if we reversed the roles, we'd be far more cross if we were the Man City in this comparison. John, uh, you know, myself and Patrick, we're looking at McGregor, so I'm blaming McGregor, I'm blaming Borna. I think Patrick's on the, the same sort of boat as me. You're blaming UEFA for the rules. Yeah, I'm blaming so, come Michelle Platini or, or whoever it is that makes up these bloody rules these days. You know, I, I, it just drives me up the wall. How is he not interfering with play? Because he's interfering with play. He's got the fucking goal. How much more interfering with play do you want to be? You know, I mean, he's offside. He's clearly offside. So, so to take the emotion out of it for a second, right? I understand the rule changed. The rule's garbage, right? It's a terrible rule. Anyone who has ever played football at any level, right? And you always say, you know what? I used to play. I played up front. I know I get get what it's like. Before. Well, you know what? I did. There, I played in defence, right? And see when that guy is so far offside as he was, and Bonner sticks his hand up and says he's offside. You know what? The guy himself stops, right? Your natural reaction there. It's exactly what, what Barisic did, is he, he slowed down because that's it. The boy's offside, right? And then that prick comes from behind but, him. Hang do on, you not play the whistle? Right, okay, on you go, on you go. You had your chance. And then that okay. guy comes from behind him, right? <laughs> and he comes through. But at which point, you know, Barisic has changed his stance. He's, he's changed his pace, you know? So that guy has interfered with play. His very presence there has interfered with play. Right? And that for me is, that's what really frustrates me about this, is he absolutely affected that, that move. His positioning there was instrumental in what Barisic did and where Barisic was. Now you can criticise Barisic and say, well, you know what, the rules say. Right? He's not got eyes in the back of his head. He doesn't know that guy's coming behind him. And if no one's giving him a shout, what's he meant to do? Right? So he plays to what he sees in front of him. Right? The boy comes through. The thing with McGregor, I don't know whether McGregor clearly himself clearly didn't think he was going to make it out before before the other guy. He, he he's made a judgment based on you know whatever, and it's difficult for me to say whether he could have or couldn't have made that that thing. I think he didn't come for the cross because in the offside before that, where the the, the fellow Mikovsky scored, um, you know, kind of five minutes before that, the guy had come through and he scored, and it was it was at a kind of slightly strange angle. And he did awful well to score it, albeit, you know, it was offside and wasn't given. And I think that was actually in McGregor's head. And I think that's why he decided to stay in his line. Because right. I think he felt, if I go here, I'm leaving that goal open. Davies is there. Davies can deal with, with, with the boy in the middle. It was a good finish. But again, you know, he has started that run from an offside position. He gives him an advantage over Davies. So, no, I mean, I get that everyone will say, well, you know what, that's the rules. Well, you know what, the rules are garbage. They're terrible rules. And as I said to you off here, if I've learned anything this last fortnight, it's complaining <laughs> about things. Because the rules don't matter if you complain yeah. enough about them. That's very clear. Anyone who saw that game yesterday and saw that that, that penalty in the, in the 94th minute that wasn't given, you tell me that those guys were not influenced by the two weeks of garbage that went on before. Yeah, 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 of course. Well, they were. They clearly they were. You've never seen a more blatant penalty than was turned down. Um, well, you know what, I, that for me, I, the comparison with the Man United-Man City game is simply because obviously that happened the day before. So you had a similar incident where a guy is apparently, you know, in under the rules, he is not interfering with play, right? 
when he quite clearly, to anyone who has played football, he is interfering with play. And that, for me, is my frustration in this. You know, they, they brought in VAR. They didn't bring it in VAR because you and I wanted it. They didn't bring in VAR because it was a clamour from football people. They brought in VAR because TV companies wanted it, right? Yeah. So VAR come in, right? Okay, fine. Another thing imposed on us. But these rules are getting made by people who have not played football. You know, these rules don't help football players. They don't help the spectacle. They confuse everybody. And and it happened yesterday and it happened today. And I'm sorry, you know, by all means, and I know people will criticise Barisic because they'll say, well, you know what, play the whistle. Yeah, fair enough. That's something that's been around as long as I've been involved in football. But at the same time, the guy's clearly offside. Barisic has played him offside. He's clearly offside. Barisic adjusts his body, adjusts his run, everything because of that. And and that's the most natural thing for a fullback to do when, you, when you're in that position. Um, and I just think it, it, it's... I'm just glad it didn't make a difference in the end. You know what? But tell you what, if we'd lost to that goal, I'd have been fizzing tonight. I'm still annoyed about it. And we won. That's right. Uh, just, just not continuing the, the fight, but but continuing the, 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 the debate. Because I think John brings up an interesting point. And it's something that I've raised. I mean, he's speaking from, uh, you know, shouting from the Amateur Defenders Union. I'm speaking from the Amateur Strikers Union, right? So... I think I think John's got a point, and I think that the bigger example of this was yesterday. You know, Rashford was clearly offside. Man City are their back four are positioning themselves, putting their hands up. You know, that's what you're coached to do. You know, position yourself, push up, leave players offside. You know, phase one, phase two. It makes that that makes it really difficult for defenders. Well, I, I think watching that one last night in particular, not not so much the one today. I kind of thought, well. We're reaching a point where coaches are just going to say, "Well, don't bother playing for offside because there's, there's every chance he's not interfering with play, and the, the move will continue." And I've argued for a while now with, with the whole VAR thing. You know, you, you, as, as, a, as a striker, you were sort of coached to time your runs, to bend your runs, to do all this, that to avoid offside, just for some prick in a room to draw a line and <laughs> say, "Well, actually, your your thumbnail was one millimeter offside there." I think John's got a point, you know, it, 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 it is making it very, very difficult and it goes against what players are coached to do. Patrick? Yeah, sorry. I think part of the introduction <laughs> of VAR was to uh, sort of protect the referees because there'll be this sort of second, almost quant- like scientific quantum of uh, sort of adjudication as to if it's offside or, or if it's, it's a penalty. But I think we've realised that it, the VAR is in the same hands of people who make decisions and it's perhaps almost counteracting and it's becoming a bit comical i think we'll probably talk about the the machine breaking for a prolonged time and after time later but yeah it, we also see it often commentators will discuss when they, they don't flag offside even though it's quite blatant and what would happen if the, a player goes and fouls someone and they get horrifically injured even though it was offside for them to later flag so i think it will obviously this will be a kick down effect for coaching for youth players now, but they'll be treated a different way of how, how to run and, and offside generally how to use it, as you as you mentioned, curling over the runs and stuff, just on the basis that we don't have as trigger happy an approach and the fact that people are going to sort of the referees are given a second chance to almost re-referee the game. And and it's so scientific. And I think that kind of goes at the crux of what a lot of people enjoy about football is that, yes, he is technically offside because his sort of, as you said, large fingernail was offside. But that's not really why we play football or why we watch football, even though he is technically offside. And then the 90th minute winners rolled out for that. So I I think obviously it's, it's, 
a creation that we enjoy when it benefits us. But I think if we were going to look back, it's only been in, in, at least in Scotland for four or five months. But I think most people would probably take that, that pre-VAR football back just because I think it's not really adding much. And if anything, it's detracting and adding another layer of supposed Masonic cover-ups and, and just general gossip, which is a bit sort of not, not, my, not my cup of tea. Uh, sticking with yourself, Patrick, the the the, the McGregor debate. Uh, you know, I, that, I I think John makes a good point. You know, he's he's made a calculation based on what he thought he could get to. He's decided not to come. I think that's cost us. And if I'm being honest, I think it's a sign that sort of hesitancy. I, th- I think is something we're seeing more in his game. Uh, and and I don't want to call down what, which is probably the. The best Rangers keeper in my lifetime. He's certainly my favourite Rangers goalkeeper, even though he has blocked me on Twitter. Right. Uh, but I, I, it does feel like a season too many with McGregor. I, I, I'm hearing a lot of supporters when I'm at games, you know, the minute the ball goes into the box, you're, you're, you're panicking, you're sweating because he just doesn't look confident. And I just don't, you know, you, you always relied on McGregor to, to pull off one or two great saves in a game and, and three or four fantastic saves in a season, particularly in those European runs. I just don't think he's doing that now. He's not making those miraculous saves that are keeping you in games and winning you games. And he's, his overall sort of hesitancy is starting to cost us, I think. No, I mean, I definitely agree. I don't even think this is a sort of conversation to be had only now. I think it's probably been brewing and boiling for well over a year. I think it probably started in, I think it was October of last year that when Craig Halkett scores their last minute equaliser hearts against us and he, he fails to go out and meet the ball from the corner. And obviously I don't think McGregor's ever been known for his punching or his distribution abilities. He's a, a pure shot stopper and he lives and dies by, by that sword. And whenever he regressed into an average or below average shot stopper, which we've seen sadly post 55, I guess that's the sort of compensation for the outrageous season he had then and, and age obviously taking its toll he's become a sort of a net negative goalkeeper um, but then you also have to consider the fact that he isn't being pushed by any outstanding second or third choice and I think that's probably why a lot of people have come to just be content with the idea that we're going to have maybe a league average goalkeeper uh, I don't think McGregor is better than average in Scotland at this point which is quite sad and given the fact that the goalkeepers in the, in the Premiership right now aren't a sort of glowing bunch but I, I do think the fact that we set up to rely on someone who I think is 42 at this point is sort of frustrating in of itself and we can't obviously blame him so much so he's the one going out but but we've chosen to rest our faith and, and our trust in there and I think that's probably a failure of contingency planning from people above him and obviously he'll be the one who has to take the brunt of that of that sort of frustration and obviously he's got more than enough clout to do so as he said he's the, the best Rangers goalkeeper in your lifetime and certainly the best in my lifetime I don't think he's got really anyone for me to, to compete against but yeah I think if you could rewrite the script you probably would want him to retire last season when he, when he got that cup final salvation and maybe even better if it was just after he won 55 but I don't think he's going to the point where he's irreversibly damaging his legacy. Uh, but he's certainly still got a lot of money in the bank from all his fans, and, and quite literally. Uh, but I do think it's the point where <laughs> if we haven't been planning exactly on who we want to get in the summer, I guess we need to play McCrory at the very least. I think Beale had mentioned that in the press conference three days ago. He might not be the answer, but it's at the point where we need to give someone an audition for them to fight against the idea of someone else coming in. Because at this point, it looks like the whole squad will have mass upheaval. But it's at a point where I wouldn't be surprised to see two of the three goalkeepers who've got now leave in the summer. 
John, I mean, on, on to the second half. Obviously, we've gone 1 0 down at half time. Second half again, the sort of first 15, 20 minutes. Again, started well, but that whole thing we were talking about, just struggling to break them down, struggling to find that sort of spark of creativity. Uh, as I said earlier on, we couldn't get Tillman into the game. And at that point, I was looking, and I think Arfield and Roof were warming up. You know, I thought they're, they're going to have to make a change. I think we were approaching our mark or just after our mark. And then Ryan Jack gets a goal. And, and and we need to talk about Ryan Jack because, you know, he's, he's obviously his contract's up at the end of the season and there's, there's a whole debate about whether we should extend or not. I'm kind of in the... I'm, I feel we need to be a bit ruthless this summer with some of our players. So at the moment, I'm kind of leaning towards maybe not extending his contract. You can't deny it was a well-worked goal. You know, it was a great give-and-go with Kent and Morelos. Massive deflection, except that. Uh, but it's always good when someone like him scores against Aberdeen because I was right above them and they were pig sick. And by the way, when I was when I was on the train coming home today, like me and my son were on the train, there was a group of Aberdeen fans sitting in front of us. So like, like me and my son don't wear colours and all that. So I was just sitting there. Uh, we'd bought some nibbles and a couple of beers and we're just sitting and they were talking so much shit, right? Honestly, it was just so bad. And one of them said this thing about, oh, I wish Ryan Jack would die, which, you know, that's one of their songs. And at that point, I thought, I'm not sure I like that. And uh, so as, as we were leaving, they were still talking. And me and my son just burst out laughing. <laughs> as the doors opened, we went, there's only one Ryan Jack, get it right up, you. And they're like, oh, fuck you. They're all going after nuts. So... Uh, that, I, I quite enjoyed that I must admit I was buzzing for about 20 minutes after that uh, but Ryan Jack great goal and it's always good when he scores against them it was because I, I know we, we and he obviously enjoys it as well when he scores against them I think he does I think he did this celebration suggested he was <laughs> making a point um, I mean I, I'm, I, I know I'm invited on largely for my insight into the games and, and, and what I'll bring to that and I literally Literally, about a minute before I texted my cousin, I texted my cousin, my cousin and I text each other through the games. I texted right. my cousin when I saw Arfield and, and, and Roof, I texted my cousin and say, Jack and Morelos, that's who we should be taking off. Yeah. And of course, literally a minute later, Morelos and Jack set up the goal. And um, yeah, I'm made to look as foolish as, as, um, as I, 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 I can be. And that happens to be very regularly, so that's okay. We've all, but, we've uh, all been there, John, don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm just grateful I didn't shout it at the top of my voice in the middle of Hamden, which is what would have happened, I suppose. Um, it, yeah, we spoke about Jack earlier, and you know, he, as I said, he got the sponsor, he got uh, the TV man in the match, which I'm not entirely sure I agree with, but he, he had a good game, um, and it needed it needed a midfielder to, to, to you know to to break through, you know, it needed yeah. someone to run from deep. And curiously, you know, Dundee United the week before, um, Sakala, you know, op- opened the scoring. You know, by starting his run at the halfway line, um, you know, and and quite clearly, anybody who's watched anyone who watched the World Cup, and I know that includes you, Colin, but any of the rest of us who watched the World Cup, um, you know, people midfielders running from deep breaking lines, you know, that that's what the, that's what all the good teams have, um, and Jack was able to do that pretty much his one and only time um, in the match today. Um, there was another one I think where he had a kind of half chance, but. But um, it, it, it was a nice move, um, you know. It was deserved equaliser, you know. For all I wasn't at that point convinced we were going to get it. It was deserved, you know. We were the better team. We were controlling the match, um, so it was a it was a deserved equaliser. It was nice. Um, a, a large 
slice of good fortune um, with the finish. Well, it wasn't an own goal though, which was those Aberdeen fans were trying to claim on the train tonight. I, I think his initial shots on target, and it just well, takes I think a it's on target. Absolutely. Yeah, it's on target. Um, yeah. You know, whether it's going in, nobody will ever know. But um, uh, or care because it went in anyway. Exactly. <laughs> Um, and like you say, it, it, it's you know a part of it. It kind of after after what Arfield did to them at Petodre, which I don't know if some of them will ever go over. But after what Arfield did to them at Petodre, I, I kind of laughed. At that's how we go. That's how we go. Even with them, you know. And, and I mean, after their bloody horrible first goal, which is still annoying, man. I know why I talk about that again. But after the annoyance of their first goal and the horrific way that goal was given. Um, I think we deserved um, a, a, a bit of good fortune with ours. Um, and I'm pleased for Jack um, because he does get a fair bit of stick from them and, and some of it's pretty unpleasant. Yeah, it's um, very unpleasant. So, yeah, yeah, there's no doubt so about that. I'm yeah. pleased for that. I'm assuming he must have, you know, probably still has family and friends in the Aberdeen area and I guess they have to hear that on a fairly regular basis. So uh, I'm pleased for him. I, I don't think he'll be moving to Aberdeenshire anytime in the near future now. Um, At least he's from Aberdeen, that's Oh, absolutely, aye. Yeah, and, and it, I don't know if you've seen, they posted, uh, he posted a thing on Instagram, it was uh, a photo of the Aberdeen fans behind the goal with the, the announcement on the screen, man of the match, Ryan Jack, with his face. <laughs> and, he, and he just put, thanks for coming. <laughs> Is that right? Oh, I was like, yes, God, get it right. God. <laughs> in terms of the contract situation, Obviously, Davis is. David, we spoke about Davis. Is, Davis is not going to get another contract. Davis is gone as a player. Um, Jack has demonstrated on a few occasions this season that you know when fit, that he's you know he's as good a player as we've got in that position. Um, the, of course, the challenge is you know is when how often is he fit? Um, yeah. Personally, I could see us offering him another contract because you know when he's fit, he is a very good player. And he's Scottish, which ticks a couple of boxes in terms of the squad and how we need that squad made up. Um, I wouldn't mind that if we bring in someone else who can play that position mm-hmm. and can stay bloody fit. Um, you know, so if he's almost seen as you know that kind of first choice, um, you know, he's our, our kind of first choice backup, um, and we have two guys in that position who are good. Who um, you know? Who who are perhaps younger and don't carry the same level of 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 um, their body hasn't had the wear and tear that his has had. Um, then I probably wouldn't have a problem, and I think that might make sense both for the player and for the club. Um, the problem you have with Jack is if you need Jack to play a full season, he can't do it. His body clearly can't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and particularly if you're playing, um, you know, two games a week, you know, he just can't do that. His body will break down. Um, if you're actually asking him to play 20 games a season, um, you know, come in for, you know, a guy who's suspended, come in and cover for three weeks for the guys, then actually he may be a very good option on that. Whether that would fit into our budgets, whether what he would want financially, whether the stage of his career he's at, that he thinks that is what he wants, I don't know. But I would, I could be coaxed into that deal. Uh, I don't think that would be the worst deal for the club or for the player. Patrick, the, the, the red card, uh, Anthony Stewart's red card, uh, I mean, it was right on the the, the sort of I, I find that a staggering decision by the player. To be honest with you, it was you know we were seconds away for full time. I mean, it's a it's a shocker, and, and it looked a bad a bad one from from where I was uh, in the ground, as I said, looking down from the upper. And and but as usual, we're we're seeing debate on this issue. <laughs> you know what I mean, we're seeing uh, 
I think Michael Stewart was debating. He wasn't debating the red card. They were saying it, it, it wasn't a red card because it was over the ball. It was a red card because of the force. It was a reckless tackle. I would say it was both. I would say it was an absolutely shocking tackle. Uh, definite red card. No need for VAR. Job done. Off you go, son. Yeah, it was just, if I was a Rangers player, I'd be absolutely mental just because it was so stupid. Sakala's got the ball and he's chopped in, but he's still 30 yards off from the penalty spot and he's on the left uh, left hand side and he's not going to get a shot off for at least five to 10 seconds. And he's got players recovering and he just comes in, absolutely takes him out. I guess it's just evidence number. I probably lost count at this point, only in Scotland sort of stuff for football, like the fact that there are certain characters on Twitter saying that this isn't a red card, but I guess that that's very much them playing their role and it's quite funny if you take it with a hint of irony but yeah I think that ticks almost all the boxes in order to be to be a red card full force over the um, over the knee as well or just below the knee over the ball I really can't see a single angle in which that wouldn't be deemed a red card and as you said that that's certainly one that VAR wouldn't even need to look at in any capacity but it was really just incredibly incredibly stupid and I guess he attempted to fade. It wasn't anything to do with Miles or Cholak, but he obviously had the, the press conference clip in which he, he had mentioned wanting to take on one forward or the other. And he ends up getting sent off by, by our other forward, which is quite quite funny. But yeah, I think if anyone was to say that's not a red card, they need to get their head checked um, as it's simply just unqualifiably a red card. I, I mean, if Sakala's got his leg planted, uh, Patrick, we're looking at his season being over, really. Yeah, we're quite no, we're quite lucky that he's kind of almost gone him straight. He's got sort of split him as opposed to come at him at an angle and hit him with one leg. He's almost just taken him over, and he's worn the full face of the brunt of the tackle. But luckily, there's been no studs on bone or collision into the bone. It really just kind of took him out, um, almost like a in rugby when you try to take someone's legs out like that. So we're lucky that it did no damage because he's certainly one who's been in good form. Uh, sticking with yourself, Patrick Scott, right? You know, it, it takes a lot of stick and. You know, I get. I, I was seeing some of it today after the game because uh, he gave the ball away, as, as John was saying earlier on. He gave the ball away right at the death, and you know, Aberdeen nearly scored. Although the linesman in front of me put his flag up, I think the ball had went out. It takes a lot of stack. Some of it merited, but I, I genuinely think he, he made the difference today when he came on. You know, he he, he made that 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 thing we've been talking about. He turned defenders. He, he got in about them. He ran at them, caused problems. Uh, and really influential in setting up Roof's goal, vital contribution. So I was really chuffed for him because, again, someone that takes a lot of stick, and I, I don't mind stick, but it, it can get a bit personal and uh, a bit heavy at times. And the, the thing with Scott Wright, the thing I like about Scott Wright, I know he's not good enough to play for Rangers every week. I know he's a, a, a squad player. But the one thing I like about him is when he comes on, it. it he gives you everything, you know. He's he's all effort, he's all heart. Some would argue he's maybe not good enough for Rangers, but I would argue it's not Scott's right problem if he's playing for Rangers. It's down to the club for signing him in the first place. All I look for from players is they, they give me everything that I've got, and I think he does. And I was chuffed for him today, you know, because it was a vital contribution, and it was another ex Aberdeen Aberdeen player getting it right up. Yeah, it's really frustrating that he's such a bitty player. You'll see all these clips where he's just absolutely fantastic. And I think you're probably at the point now where he's got enough of these individual clips that you could probably put together a good sort of highlight reel and you'd be like, oh, this is a real player. Like, But again, if you just get him on that inside turn, which he got for the goal again, he just seems to be the best player in Scotland. But it's only for that split 10 seconds where he turns a defender and runs at them. 
But yeah, I, I was glad to see him. I think if Beal made a mistake taking maybe Tillman off for Kamara, both in the, Tillman was sort of slow, slower towards the second half, but I guess the sort of profile and attacking midfielder for a defensive midfielder, taking off Lundstrom, who, who didn't put in a good performance and putting on someone who was more of a winner slash number 10 against Aberdeen, who had 10 tired legs. I thought that was a really good decision and he, he profited from it. Uh, again, the question will be if he can actually prolong this from just a 10-minute cameo to something more substantial. It doesn't have to be 90 minutes because players don't have to be on top of their game for the full 90 minutes, especially forwards. If he can just do that maybe maybe twice a game, maybe not set a goal twice a game, that's asking a bit much, but to put in two pieces of magic and eventually work his way up to getting a more sort of consolidated and stable uh, sort of role in the team because right now he hasn't really had one. When Beal's coming in, obviously it's a bit different. It's a bit calamitous and chaos because he's trying to give everyone a run, trying to see who he's got, plan for the future. But I don't think certainly that did his case any sort of negative in that sense because he, he did look good. You'd always have to preface it with the fact that it was against 10 tired Aberdeen legs. But I think yeah. that's probably probably the, the best case for him is, is to come on and affect the game against 10 tired Aberdeen legs because obviously Brian Jack get, gets it more. But I don't think Scott Wright uh, is free of abuse online from Aberdeen fans either. It, John, came out roof it, now over the last few weeks. You know, we've been getting updates from uh, Michael Beale about you know he's he's nearly there, he's nearly there, blah blah blah. Which we've heard for so long, it would be roof. Who I think's the, the 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 best striker at the club, and uh, it was almost like a a micro, microcosm of his Rangers career you know he comes off the bench I, I, I was texting my mate during the game saying you know Roof's the man we need he's the guy that's going to come on and make the difference he did he came on he made the difference and then in typical fashion you know he, he goes off injured again you know one tackle and he's off injured again and my mate texts me back saying oh you were right about Roof and I was like, but you know what? I think I would let him go in the summer because it seems to me every time the guy brushes his teeth, he loses like seven teeth. You know what I mean? It, 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 he's a great player, but for the money that we're spending on him, like 27, 28 grand a week, I think it is, he's just not robust enough. You know what I mean? Which is a shame because he's such a good player. I mean, obviously, I don't know the extent of the injury. I mean, it, it looked innocuous. Uh, you know, it's, they always it's, are, though, and then you don't see him for six months. I know his shoulder or his elbow, or, yeah, yeah. or you know, it didn't. At least it wasn't his legs for a change. Um, so you know, it looked it looked innocuous. It was enough for him to go off. Um, so you know, it, it's clearly it's clearly something. I don't know if he's dislocated or if he's you know pulled something out of his socket or something. I don't know. Um, but, you know, I, I listened to your show last week, and I agree entirely. I think he is the best. You know, I think he is the best forward at the club um, and, and you know you preface that by saying yes I know he's injured regularly um, you know but when he's fit I think he is the best forward at the club um, he took his goal well you know well, you um, finish. it's a great you know, it's, it's, it's everything that, that, that Roof represents in my opinion absolutely. just finds that pocket of space in the, the, space. In, in, in the six yard and boom and yeah. didn't even, it didn't even, hit it, didn't even put the laces through it just placed it in at the corner yeah. no absolutely it was a lovely finish um, you know he took his goal well um, and strangely, when he was getting in, the move when he was getting injured, he was he was breaking through, and I was quite excited because when I realised it was him, I thought, you know what, actually he can do something here because if yeah. I had been Morelos, Morelos was getting caught. He isn't getting away from the Aberdeen defenders. If it was Sakala, he is getting away from the Aberdeen defenders, but he's shooting and the balls ending up in Cathcart Road. You know, yeah. he isn't sticking. He hasn't got the composure in, in that position. Um, 
Whereas Roof does, you know, Roof at that point could chip him, Roof could hammer it in at the top corner, he could beat two players and then slide it away. You know, so I was actually, you know, I, I think he was fouled. I think he should have got a foul. I, you know, I, I was surprised. I thought the ref was actually quite... I didn't actually think it was a dirty game. The, 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 pen, the, the sending off, which I agree entirely with, with, with three, was an absolutely bizarre um, thing for that guy to do. It didn't make any sense. Because it hadn't been a dirty game. It had been a hard game. Yeah, you know there'd been some there'd been some you know some meaty challenges, but I didn't think it was a, a dirty game. It's often games against Aberdeen can be, um, but I did think that was a foul. You know, I, I thought there was enough contact in roof that I did think it was a foul. But I, I, I think for the money he's on, you know, yeah. I mean, if he's you can't afford a club like ours. I don't think you can afford to have a guy like that who misses so much football. Yeah, football, yeah. Um, you know, and, and and it's a shame because you know, like you say, when he came on and then he got his goal, and you thought, here, you know, if we get him back for the next six months, that's a big difference to us. That's a big difference yeah. to the squad. You know, that's a guy who gives you something different. Um, a proven goal scorer. You know, uh, you just you just never know where that what what, what that might lead to, but. Hopefully it's, you know, hopefully it's something that, you know, he'll, he, you know, he can play through that it's not something that's going to actually affect his ability to play and, and, and we'll just wait and see. But I feel sorry for him because, you know, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, fun absolutely. for him. No, I know. It must I know. get you down, um, you know, and, and it must have got him down. You know, these things must, you know, they have to take a psychological, you know, they, they have to, Effect, you know, I don't yeah. think that you, you could expect it not to. Um, like you, uh, yeah. You know, I think if, if somebody was willing to take him, and I'm not sure who would, somebody will. Somebody's always willing to take him. There's always chance, somebody willing yeah, to take a chance. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's just, unfortunately, I don't think it's us. Yeah, I think he's got everything. Right foot, left foot, you know, header. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was a top goal scorer the year we won 55. I, I genuinely think he was the difference. That's the most football we've got out of roof, I think. And he's, he's got an that... absolute mean streak in him as well. Yeah. Oh, he will cement you. Yeah. He will break you in half and not Absolutely. give any thought about it whatsoever. And I kind of like that in a forward. Yeah, and he's intelligent as well. Really intelligent forward. And, and I think there's, there's, two, there's two issues here with roof that show that why he's the best striker at the pub. One, when we got the most football out of him, we won the league, you know, and we were so consistent that year. And two, he was on the park for two minutes in Seville. Yeah, Ryan Kent should score that and, yeah. and it, it should have won it. You know, he's he's turned that within two minutes of coming on, he's turned an entire defence and got the ball across. And it just it it breaks my heart actually that we can't get him fitting on the park because I I genuinely think we would be a different team without and I think Morelos would be in a better frame of mind as well because he would have someone challenging him for, for, for that position but I, I, I just feel for the money yeah it's, it's a hard one to justify to pay 27, 28, 30 grand a week or whatever for someone who's just never playing uh, guys I'll, I'll, I'll get your both your views on, on, on this one it's the the sort of confidence versus the character version thing because again at times I, I felt we didn't look overly confident today you know we, we, we can look a fragile team at times you know a team that, that lacks in confidence and lacks in belief but since Beals come in we're still winning games you know that character seems to be coming to the fore Patrick how do you feel on that because I, I, I was watching the game today and at times when especially when we're 1-0 down you know as John pointed out there you know there's people still giving the ball away there's still a little bit of fragility but we're winning again. We're, we're starting to win games. Okay, sometimes ugly, 
that we're starting to win. So the characters coming out, even though the confidence doesn't seem to be totally there yet. Yeah, I mean, I think this is probably the best example of when character goes over all else in, in a cup semi-final. It becomes a bit concerning if this trend belongs into sort of beyond a micro to a macro trend and we see it in the league and we're relying on last-minute winners against teams that we should be putting away comfortably. But I guess when you isolate this sort of um, event, this is fine. Uh, it, it's a tough pitch. It's a team who you know are dogged most specifically against us. Um, obviously, again, you can compare it to our last game against Aberdeen, another show of character, or at least the last 10 minutes showed some good character. Um, and, and I think we can all understand and rationalise the fact that Beale's not working with uh, an armory filled with top quality players who, who are fit and ready to go. So the fact that he's able to breed in some sort of winning mentality, per se, let's put it on, like a, on a three-game, on a non-trophy sort of basis of, of winning, it's positive. It's not clutching at straws, I don't think, but it is looking to... to make something optimistic, which is obviously good as a, as a fan base. We should be doing that. Um, I think once we're able to click and get this character combined with uh, maybe adding a few pieces of quality, whether that be in the transfer market or players coming back from injury, then we'll hopefully see some sort of symbiotic genesis of, of a good-looking team that looks like winning. That might take two months. It might take until the beginning of next season. But I do think there is definitely the stepping stones and the blueprint for that to happen. And I think the fact that we're not playing all that well we don't have all that many options but we're still winning it's definitely a good sign I don't think anyone could complain about it John do you know Michael Beale seven games in charge uh, I think it's six wins one draw against that shower across the road there you know steady the ship but that confidence versus uh, character thing there's no doubt about it there, there, there does still seem to be a fragility in that team but the character is definitely coming forward because we're winning games. Yeah, but we're, we're going behind too often, and I don't think that. I think that's where the where the, the the quality aspect of this comes in. You know, we are conceding goals against teams that we shouldn't. Um, when we then regain the lead, we're not killing them off, um, and you can see that in our goal difference, uh, and and that needs addressed, and that's something that I think is a is a quality issue, but. As Patrick said, um, as as you've alluded to, um, you know, Bill has come in and he has restored a sense of pride in in the players. I think because you know we now look like we're going to play, you know, for every minute of the match. And there was games in the first half of the season where we looked beaten after fifteen minutes. Or at least we didn't look that like we were going to score. I mean, there was a game I remember. I think it was on. I don't know if it was you. I was on with, but I, I was on. I think it was after St Johnson game. You know, where we had like something mental, like 25 corners. And you're thinking, you know, you know, but we kept doing the same thing. There's a, currently we are uh, at least a little more unpredictable in how we're attacking. You know, you see Kent moving around, you're seeing Sakala move around. Um, you know, you're, you're, we're giving other teams some, um, some, some need for them to actually think about how we're actually going to play. Um, I think he's getting the best out of Barisic because he's playing Barisic further up the pitch. I don't think Barisic is a wonderful defender, um, but he is pretty good going forward. Uh, that is clearly his strength. That's what attracted us to Barisic in the first place. If you remember that, that, that the first time we saw him, he, you know, he was fantastic going forward. Uh, and Barisic is at his best for Rangers when he's going forward. Um, I think when he's asked to be a, a, a fullback, I think he struggles a little bit. Um, Tav's the same, you know. Tav's great strength is coming forward. Tav's great strength is in the is in the final third, not 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 in the first third of the park. 
Um, so I think Bielwa recognises that he knows these players and, and he's brought that back. He's brought back a, 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 some sort of confidence. We now go into games and you're, you're, um, I think your feeling is that, you know, we're going to win the game. Um, but other teams yet don't feed us. You know, I think you saw that today. You saw that against Dundee United. Um, you know, saw that against Aberdeen at Petodi. Teams don't feed us yet in the way they fear Celtic, frankly. Um, you know, teams don't feed us that way. I think teams are still going into games against us thinking we've got a chance here. Um, and we need to get that back to a point where, where, you know, teams go in beaten before they start. And I think Celtic have that over us just now. I think most of the teams in our league go into the games against Celtic think they're beaten before they start. I don't think that about us just now. And I think that requires more quality rather than, than, than anything else. I don't, I think the fragility is just down to the fact that actually some of the players we've got perhaps just aren't good enough. Certainly the squad isn't good enough. Yeah. Um, you know, that's the bench, the last, maybe you guys today had quite a few young players on it. Um, but the bench last week, um, you know, was probably the strongest we've seen for a while. Um, but it's still, still a long way short of what it needs to be, what it should be. Uh, I, 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 I noticed that in the old firm game when I looked at their bench yeah. compared to their bench, you know, and, and that's and I think that's why Celtic got the draw because yeah. they had two or three who players who would normally start sitting on the bench ready to come on, and they were able to hold their own without those players. And then when they needed that goal, they brought them on and and, and they got it. And we'll, we'll come on and talk about the the January window. Uh, but before I do, uh, John Var, uh, it broke down. <laughs> Those pesky masons are at it again. <laughs> I mean, you and I spoke. Before, you and I have spoken about this. I, I get it's a polarizing thing. I know there are people who who wanted the introduction of VAR. Um, I, I didn't. You know, I wasn't something no. I was particularly in favour no. of. Um, and that's largely, I think, because I'm I'm old and it's another change to the game I grew up with that I'm not particularly in favour of. Um, Plus, you know, as I said, it's been brought in for the television. It, for me, the biggest problem with that is that when you're in a stadium, half the time you don't know what's happening. Half yeah. the time you're thinking, well, what's happened? What, what is it? What is it they're looking for? How long is it going to take for them to do this? You know, it's not right. It's not been brought in for the fans. And in Scotland, the people who go through the turnstiles are the people who fund the game. In England, Sky fund the game. You know, BT Sport fund the game, right? But in Scotland, it's not. Scotland, it's the guys who go through the turnstiles, right? And And... No one, we weren't, no one asked us our opinion on that. Okay. Um, and so that does annoy me. Um, because ultimately we are the people who are funding the game here. I can kind of accept right down in other leagues and your big leagues, um, where TV funds it. Well, you know what? They, 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 they choose the tune, but that's not what happens here. We get paid pennies. So, you know, I would have chased them for that reason. However, it's here and we just have to accept that it's here and it isn't going away. You know, that's, it's, that's, it's, it's, you know, that's just part of the game now and, and we just have to accept that it's here. Um, it doesn't surprise me that it broke down. Um, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me. It's Scottish I've football. Never, I've, I've never know, known any other VAR to break down, but within a couple of months I was introducing it, it breaks down. And and what made it what made it even more farcical was, you know, the announcement came over the tannoy in the stadium. Uh, that's that's far no working, lads, right? So there's no VAR, right? And they're like, everybody burst out laughing. And then five, then five minutes later, like, Lads, that's the VAR's working again. It's back yeah. on. You know what I mean? We turned it off and we left it for thirty seconds and we put it back on again. And it's working it. again. You know, and it, 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 but you know, you know, you know, what it reminded me. Of? It's like going to the juniors and like nay pies, lads. We're heating uh, them up in the oven. Get ten minutes. And the pies yeah. will be ready. But see, you know, 
I say this, I say this to my, my, my boys, and I don't know if you have the same thing with your son. And, and you know, Patrick makes, probably has more first-hand experience of this. Um, you know, there is an amateurishness to Scottish football. You know, there is, and there always has been. You yeah. know, there's always been, and I say that, you know, as, as, you know, as supporters of the biggest club in the land, as supporters with, 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 you know, a, a club with, with, you know, you know, a mil- millions, multi-millions budgets, um, you know, a club who've reached European finals in the, you know, this in the last 12 months, you know, I say that, but Scottish football as a whole has always, you know, has always had an amateurish feel to, you know, the referees, it's, you know, they're not the best. You know, there's occasionally there's a good one comes up, but most of the time they're not the best. They're doing their best, but they're not the best. And and I've always looked at English football, and English football is better. It's more polished. It has more money. They have more big teams, so the quality is higher. You get all that, um, and so you know it's always got a bit more razzmatazz. It's always got, it's always had that. You know what? That's available. If somebody wants to go and watch that, that is available, readily available. Like you can watch Barcelona via Real Madrid, you can watch AC Milan, you can watch Bayern. These teams are all available to you easily now. You don't have to watch Scottish football. Whereas when I was growing up, you went to watch football, you went to see football because you couldn't see any other football. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You know, this may sound ridiculous, Patrick, but if if there was a game in the Scottish third division being played, then football wasn't allowed to be shown on television in Scotland. Any game. You know, you couldn't see, you know, it could be the, the, the biggest game in Europe that night. It's not on television in Scotland because East Fife and Forfa are playing and they're seventh and eighth in their league. And that was the rule, <laughs> you know, and, and in some ways it was the right rule because it, it did protect football. You didn't then have this, um, you know, wall to wall football. But for me, VAR is just the continuation of that. And, and the, the, the fact that we're doing it you know, on a slightly amateurish, slightly buffoonish type way. It comes as no surprise to anybody who has followed Scottish football for as long as I have, because there is that element in our game, both controlling our game, you know, and we know that ourselves, sometimes on a sinister level and sometimes just on a farcical level, um, but both in terms of controlling our game, but also people involved in our game. You know, it, it, there's clubs in our league that, that you know, 2,000 fans, you know, let's be honest here. You know, that's the kind of level that Scottish football is at, even at the top level. So it doesn't come as a surprise to me that, that, that you know, VAR broke down. It will break down again. Um, because, you know, we introduced it a third of the way through the season. That's mental. I know, I know. You know what are we doing there? What are we doing now? Just a third of the way through the season? You know, it's just we're making it up as we go along. We go along, I know, so, absolutely. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me in the slightest, not at all. Uh, Patrick, final topic of tonight, uh, the January window. So, you know, uh, as, as I said earlier on there, both, uh, you know, Beals steadied the ship, introduced a bit of stability, you know, six wins in his seven games, one draw, all that kind of thing. But it, it feels he does need support, you know, he needs to get fresh legs in. And, uh, you know, we've been linked with Tom Davies and, and Todd Candwell and there's all this talk, but it just seems to be a bit slower than it needs to be, especially compared to what's what's happening over the road. You know, they, they've already introduced new players. You know, I, I, I just I just find it frustrating. You know, and, and as, as John sort of alluded to earlier on, it's not the squad that needs strengthened; it's the starting eleven. And by by the way, by strengthening the starting eleven, you strengthen the squad. You know, what I mean because players that are in that team at the moment all of a sudden find themselves on the fringes, and they they need to up their game to get their jersey back. 
you know, so to, I, I, I always struggle a wee bit when folks say, oh, we need to strengthen the squad. No, strengthen the starting 11, and that's what we need to do. I think that's probably where Rangers have went wrong over the last few years. We've just brought in squad players and haven't really improved that starting 11. So the fact that we're halfway through January already, the window, and there's still nothing happened, frustrating, uh, if I'm being honest. Yeah, no, I totally get that. Obviously, January's slim pickings at the best. Good players on good teams don't want to work because they're fighting for a title. Good players on bad teams, they won't, they won't want to sell their players because that'll be key for them staying up for, for all likelihood. Um, we've had a few names mentioned. I think three have recurring, count all of them most. So I think Beal's name dropped them in the conferences as well. Tom Davies and then Josh and Omar, they've all been mentioned. And then obviously uh, the guy playing for Hadji's team, Faro Kostanta in Romania, Pitu, he came out today saying he'd love to play with Giannis again and maybe Rangers at some point, which seems a bit positive in our uh, respect. But yeah, I think some people will be a bit more frustrated than I am. I, I think obviously I'd love to see us getting all our work done early and, and well-planned and well-thought-out contingencies that have been sort of executed months in advance. And then we bring in all our players on January 1st. That'd be ideal. But I think the January window at the best of times is usually a catalyst for going on and winning the league. Uh, I sadly think the league is beyond us. So I'm not as frustrated in the sense that we obviously need to bring in three or four players at least to, to bolster the starting lineup. And the end goal for a lot would be if we bring these players in and win the league. I just don't think that's realistic. So I'd rather we bring in a fewer players, but obviously we have to hit on them. But that doesn't seem to be our track record in the past years as you mentioned we bring in squad players and even those squad players um, you could probably for each one that's been a success there's also been one who I don't want to deem failure because I don't think any of them have been outright failures in a sense because we haven't spent that much money and that's generally the largest defining factor in if the transfer is successful or not it's the money we've spent and there's a complete lack thereof but I, I do think we need to sort of turn a new leaf and start just get, bringing in transfers that, that work but obviously that's a lot harder said than done um but I do think that the names being banded about do have some uh, charm to them. and There's some positive to look at it. Uh, there's obviously the recurring theme of them all being sort of a necessity to be in rehab. They're out of form. They haven't played much. They're injured. And that's something we've dealt with quite a lot and not done successfully. So, uh, But I do think, given the fact we're halfway done, uh, we hopefully see the business end come in, in the next few weeks. And I think Bill had mentioned in the previous few days that at the beginning of this week we when we'd see a lot of lot of action and he's he's mentioned upwards of four players i think obviously you're looking at quality over quantity but if we were to bring in four players and he's mentioned he's only wanting to bring in starting quality players and if we bring in four players that he deems starting quality i'd, I'd be very impressed and very happy but we've also got time to go but just to consider but it's obviously not great now but i do have faith uh, that might just be unbridled optimism because we all like Beal and, and it's gone well so far. Um, and, I, and I hope it's not that. I hope it's somewhat sort of rational, but it'll just play out in the next few days, hopefully. But we still have got two weeks. But what I don't really want is us to come to the 29th or the 30th, like last year, not yeah. done much, too much work and then get two agents offer us interesting proposals because that's what they were. Uh, high risk, high reward, because that's really not what we should be dealing with at this point. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, that's what I find frustrating is is waiting until the last minute of the last day, and then you're practically into February. You know, we, we saw it last season uh, with Ramsey. You know, we brought him in. He wasn't entirely fit, and then it takes X amount of time to get him fit. And I just, I just want some solid moves. And yeah, hopefully that's what we'll get, guys. Looking at the time, I, I think we'll wrap it up there for tonight. Uh, just, so, sorry, just quickly on that. Sorry, quickly. I know you want to go. Um, <laughs> do you think Bill was being 
naive or very clever? Do you think he was putting pressure on the club when he said the other day, you know, I expect people coming in next week and there'll be starters and, you know, it, it was a surprisingly open thing for the Rangers manager to say at a press conference. Yeah. Um, and you're thinking, well, he must be very confident that this is happening. And it did strike me as, I was thinking, I wonder is that, you know, is he putting pressure on Ross Wilson? Is he putting pressure on the board here um, in a very public way? Or, you know, was that just a naive thing to say? Um, is this just a, you know, a, a youngish manager, newish manager saying something that you really probably shouldn't have said in that press conference? And I, I was a bit puzzled by him saying that. Well, if, if these players don't arrive, then it, he's going to have to answer that in a, in a future press conference, isn't he? So I would assume that he's fairly confident. Uh, but you're maybe right, John. There's maybe, there's maybe politics behind the scene. I, I do think uh, Ross Wilson... Uh, it has questions to answer, I think, because I, I don't think the squad has improved enough over, over the period that he's been in. So we'll see. Uh, maybe was his way saying to Ross Wilson, get your finger out. I need because as that's how you improve the squad by signing players that are going to start. Yeah. You know what I mean? And 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 an increasing competition for places and all that kind of thing. I don't think there's been enough of that in the signings over the last two or three years. And I think you know when when you look at that Champions League campaign and. You look at the players that were starting in some of those games, and you think back to the the the, the Europa League campaigns like three four years ago when Gerard arrived. You know, six or seven of those players, they're all the same. You know what I mean? It, yeah. The squad hasn't evolved enough. So yeah, we do need three or four players in at least. I think so. So we'll find out. Uh, so we'll call it time there. Just what the moment? I'm only kidding. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm <laughs> Big, big thanks to John, big thanks to Patrick. Uh, enjoyed that tonight, good laugh, uh, great stuff from them. We were live tonight, we were live on the Sunday night when Rangers had reached the League Cup final uh, and those Aberdeen fans that were on the train are still travelling home. Get it right up them, that's what I say. Uh, we were live tonight but the show will be uh, streamed and downloaded and all that kind of stuff on a variety of platforms from tomorrow including Acast, iTunes, YouTube, Castbox, Stitcher, Spotify, your usual places. Big thanks to John and Patrick as I said. Uh, we'll have shows out this week uh, for the uh, the Kilmarnock game and obviously next week as well. In the meantime, get yourself onto the Jersnet website and forums at www.jersnet.co.uk Until the next time guys, enjoy the fact that we're in another final uh, and until the next time, bye for now.